We pray that the Holy Spirit may open our hearts, that we may receive from you the Holy One, whose voice brings life, whose victory is our pride today. Open our eyes to see the face of Jesus and to hear his voice, that our lives may be changed forever. For we pray this in confidence, in the name of him who lives and reigns with us, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Again, I want to start by expressing my gratitude to Father Joe for giving me the privilege of being in your midst today. And I want to invite you to join me in addressing a subject that is one of my most admirable subjects, and that is the subject of staying strong in difficult times. Staying strong in difficult times. A first-year student in a Catholic seminary was told by the dean to preach, was asked to plan for a sermon. So he went and prayed and waited on God the whole night. And come morning, the sermon was not there. So he came to the chapel meeting and came to the pulpit. And he looked from left to right to his classmates and he asked them, do you know what I'm going to say? They all shook their heads and said, no. He said to them, neither do I. (laughs) The service has ended. Go in peace. The dean wasn't happy. So the dean said, I'll give you another chance. And this time, you must make sure you have a sermon, okay? So the young man went, burnt the midnight oil. Come morning, there was no sermon. So he came to the pulpit. He stood there. He looked at his fellow classmates. And he asked them again, Do you know what I'm going to say? And they all said, yes. Then he said, then there is no reason to tell you. (laughs) The service has ended. Go in peace. Now the dean was angry. Dean came to him and said, I will give you one last chance. If you don't have a sermon tomorrow, you will be asked to leave the seminary. So the young man left and spent again the night. Guess what? No sermon. So he came to the pulpit. Another pulpit. He looked again, left and right, to his classmates and asked the same question. Do you know what I'm going to say? 
And half of them said yes. And the other half said no. Then he said, those who know, tell those who don't know. (laughs) The service has ended. Go in peace. (laughs) So the dean of the seminary came to him and put his arms over his shoulders and said, young man, today the gospel has been proclaimed. Those who know should tell those who don't know. (laughs) Staying strong in difficult times. The gospel reading today reveals to us the love of Jesus to his disciples. Staying strong in difficult times. You know, we live in a fear-gripped world. Where fear-mongering is the order of the day. Media houses bring life. Threats of war and terrorism. Our eyes are forever set on developments in the Middle East. Our ears are keen to hear what North Korea is thinking and talking about. The conflict in Ukraine and Russia causes some of us to move at the edge of our seats. Crimes in our neighborhoods and crazy things happening around, like people shooting each other for no just reason. We can therefore identify with the disciples of the Lord Jesus when they hid themselves behind closed doors, scared to death for their lives, not knowing who was in line after Jesus who did all the good things and was murdered brutally. They saw him bleed to death. They saw him confined in a grave. And so they did not want to take any chances. So they hid themselves. They locked themselves in. But you know what? Jesus breaks the human law of control access. When the doors were locked, the Bible says that the Savior stormed into their midst. But when Jesus storms in, he comes for a purpose. Because the Bible tells us that everywhere he went, he did good. So I want you to please join me in looking at the three things that Jesus did during this divine visitation to his disciples. And the first one is found on John chapter 20 and verse 19. The consolation. Jesus comes to console. He comes in to deal with the fear factor. There were several factors. There is the powerless factor. When you don't have the muscle to face the army that is so ruthless, that has done injustice to a man who did nothing but good. So the fear that gripped them, Jesus comes to bring consolation, and the first thing he deals with is the fear factor. He breathes upon them. 
And his opening statement to them is peace. He speaks peace to their situation, to their difficult time. He, he addresses their situation and their circumstances with the words of peace. Jesus brings peace to console them. And beyond that, he begins to deal with the power factor. And the Bible says that he breathed upon them the breath that gave them the power that was beyond the power that science and technology can provide today. It did not depend on the experience of the scientists of the technology that we have in our modern world that has created this power that can give people the audacity to stand the difficult moments of their circumstances. But Jesus connects them to the power that is divine. It is the plug that is there in heaven for those who are weak, who are scared, who are gripped in a world of fear. Jesus comes to console them. A story is told of a family that visited the Holy Land, overwhelmed by the experience there. The mother of the family collapsed and died. And the guide made an offer to them, said, you know what? You can, marry, you can bury mom here. It will be historic. It will be historic to bury your mom in the Holy Land. Otherwise, you'll be forced to spend like seven to eight thousand dollars to take the body of your mom back to the U.S. And the son of the deceased slept over it, thought about it, and he declined the offer. He came to the guide and said, you know, to a guide, I thank you for the offer to bury my mom here in the Holy Land, but sorry, I won't do it. And then I said, are you crazy? I'm giving you a golden offer. You want to spend seven to $8,000? And then the funeral arrangements over there, all that money? The guy said, yeah, I'll do that. Why? He said, well, history records that one day a man died and was buried here. And in three days, he rose up. You didn't get the joke, did you? <laughs> Jesus comes not just to console us. Jesus comes to counsel us, to provide counsel. He storms into the presence of his disciples, and he goes against all odds to bring to them the realization that their doubts and the unbelief among them can be a hindrance, can retard their progress in trying to cope with the situation that was before them. So he comes to provide counsel to them. Then he deals with the unbelief factor. Thomas says, and Thomas represents us in the scientific world with all the advancement we have in technology. Thomas says there must be evidence. 
in the court of law and in civilized justice. You cannot believe something just because of hearsay. So Thomas says that I must see, I must touch, I must have proof that Jesus is alive. But Christ comes in to bring counsel to the unbelieving guy. Thomas represents many of us. Do you want proof? You want to be convinced beyond any shadow of doubt? You don't want to take chances? You don't want to bury your mom in the Holy Land if that is taking chances? So Thomas says, no, I must, I must see. Thomas represents a world of scientific proof. He says, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. Today we ask the same questions. We do blood tests, DNAs, DNA tests, we do fingerprints. Why do we do all that? Others may insist that a man who died over 2,000 years ago, we must have his blood and put his blood in the test tube. We must test it in a laboratory and we must see it written in the journals of the medical world for us to believe that his blood can have an effect in our generation today. Jesus comes to counsel with those who are stuck on the fence of doubt and, and unbelief. Jesus wants us to tell those who don't know what we know. But the world now thinks that it knows more than us who know, who have seen the risen Christ. Jesus tells Thomas to stop doubting and believe. Thomas had an opportunity to prove the resurrection story. So he puts his finger and tests for himself. And he says, boy, it's true. It's true. It's true. He is risen. Christ is risen. He comes to console us in our fears. He comes to reach out to us in our locked doors, the locked doors of our lives, the concealed secrets that drain our tears the whole night. Things that move us emotionally. Jesus comes to address them. Because one, he comes to console. Secondly, he comes to counsel with us so we can step down from that ladder of unbelief and of doubt to believe in the risen Christ. Those who know, tell those who don't. Finally, Christ comes to comfort us in a grieving world. We are trapped in a dreadful situation. All around us we are running low on hope. We look for the world beyond the offering to us. And the world we live in is plagued with war and famine, amounting debt, continual destruction. The more we try to rescue ourselves, 
the more we seem to fall behind. We wonder, is there hope? The risen Lord has come to comfort us. I know that this is a congregation that is grieving after losing two of your long-time members. Their space in our midst today. Can the comforter reach out to you? Can you see his hand stretching out to touch you with a touch of comfort and consolation? To bring you to that place where you can begin to trigger your healing process. Christ has given us new birth into the living hope through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has come to keep us close to himself that we may be safe in a world that is unsafe. Peter says that in a little while, our grief and our suffering, our trials and temptations, our hardships and difficulties in this life will come to an end. Suffering, Peter says in the epistle reading, makes our faith greater, worth than gold. Because our king is heavenly based, we are heavenly bound. Staying strong in difficult times, when our eyes are not looking to the world that does not know, that needs to be told. A story is told of a man called Nikolai Inap Ivanovich. Forgive me for the pronunciation. Some of the Eastern European names are hard to pronounce. But the man is called Bukharin. He was a powerful Russian communist leader. He took part in Bolshevik Revolution in 1917. He was also the editor of the Soviet newspaper called Pravada, which means truth. There's a story told about him one day. He took a trip from Moscow and went all the way to Kiev in 1930 to address a huge assembly on the subject of atheism. Addressing the crowd, he aimed his heavy artillery at Christianity, hurling insults and arguments and proving against the existence of Christianity. And an hour later, he finished. Then he looked around, looked around again to the smoldering ashes of man's faith and asked them, does anybody have any question? He looked around again Bukharin demanded, any questions? Are there any questions? There was a deafening silence that filled the auditorium. But then one man approached the platform and mounted to the lantern. Standing near the communist leader, he surveyed the crowd, first to the left, and then to the right. And finally he shouted at the top of his voice the ancient greeting known well in the Russian, Russian Orthodox Church. Christ is risen. In mass, the crowd arose as one man and the response came crashing 
like a sound of thunder. He is risen indeed. The Russian powerful communist did not know. But a small elderly man knew. And so he needed to be told Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And as we close, I want to encourage you that in difficult times, we can still stay strong. Because we have the consolation of Jesus. We have the counsel of the highest form of justice. He comes to embrace us in our situations. And finally he comes to comfort us in these difficult times. This is the God that brought sense when the women went to the tomb and their concern was who will roll the stone away from us. But heaven had responded to the needs of our time. And there was another. And God is power and might. Release angels who came and removed the stone from the grave. And when this mother saw a body with the pain of motherhood, who had the destiny to step out when men were scared, sick, behind locked doors. The men were out there crying and wondering what was coming next to them. Thank God for women. Thank God for motherhood. They were out there facing the odds of the moment and were the first witnesses to recognize that the stones of life that block us, that see us in our confinements, the stones of sickness, relationships that go against all odds, and the challenges of life that come, that drive us, and bosses, and jobs, and businesses that sometimes don't work out for us, and the challenges we face as senior citizens, where we can stretch ourselves, we need to need resources.